and welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Stuart. And I'm Simon. We're both property people running our own businesses and this podcast is just us chatting every Wednesday about anything and everything property. And Simon, we were just talking about some pertinent subjects of the moment and first topic that we thought was of interest to the listeners. Well, we talked about the rental market and increasing energy costs. So why don't we start with the rental market? Because you've been looking at some quite interesting numbers, particularly in localised areas, for what's happening in the rental market. So I think that's a great place for us to start. Yeah, as is so often the case with the reports that come out, they come out a little bit after the effect. And as it happens, we're not being entirely off the moment on this occasion, because this report we're looking at actually came out about a month ago. But, but well, never mind, but we're fairly up to date. So we're looking at the rental market report from HomeTrack. And there's lots of good information in this and lots of things that that I thought could be interesting for us to, to chat about. But I think there are three things that particularly jumped out at me. No, no, actually, I'm going to make it four things. So one of them is a rental increase of 5%. One of them is a rental decrease, this is year on year, of 3.8%. Another one is 15 days. And the final one is the fact that Crawley featured as a city. So, Stuart, why don't you explain what these numbers are to our listeners? <laughs> well, the, the first big number you've talked about is the plus 5%, which is the annual change in rents, excluding London, just meaning that average rents have increased by 5% in the 12 months to the end of July. And I, I have to be honest, whenever I hear this, I always think, I always click my finger and think, oh, why haven't I put my rents up? And I don't. I don't put my rents up. Just to be clear, yeah, I'm terrible at putting up my rents as well. Uh, I've, I've got one tenant who hasn't seen a rent increase probably for five years. <laughs> yeah, and that's, I see that as a very good thing. Particularly, your tenants are obviously longer term tenants anyway. Mine are, are a lot more transient, given that we are mostly co living, stroke HMO rooms. But it, the, these reports do always remind me that that we can do that. We can put the prices up, you know, as long as we've got a good product. But I'm with you. I think if if you've got a good tenant and you're happy with them, given lots of my experiences and travails of the last twelve months, why keep everyone happy and let them know? However, you know we're not going to get into increasing energy costs just yet. But things like that cannot always be absorbed by us, and as we know, inflation does happen every year. So it is something that we, as property investors and developers and landlords, need to need to consider. So. So the, so the average 5% increase was, was quite interesting. But then you mentioned the, the 3%, the, sorry, the 3.8% decrease in rents in London. Yeah. And of course, a rental decrease, there's, there aren't going to be any landlords coming along saying, oh, I've decided to decrease your rent from now on. This is all going to be driven from properties where tenants are leaving and they're now coming back onto the market. And those market rents are less than they could ask for previously. So I think in, in this market where where rents have decreased decreased quite a lot as well, they previously in London decreased even more than, than 3.8%. It's just that the more recent annual figure or annual change is 3.8. It means that you've got lots of tenants effectively sort of living next door to each other where older tenants are now paying a lot more rent than, than the newer tenants, which must, must be a bit bit strange i think from from their point of view and probably not not ideal 
But something else about the changing of rents, I find whenever, if I've got an existing tenant and I'm looking to increase the rent, then you can say, okay, inflation's 2%-ish, 3%, whatever. So how about we look at a rental increase for, for this year of 2% or 3%? And that'll give you some strange number of pounds, 13 pounds, 50 or something. So you might say, well, how about we call it a £10 a month increase or £15 a month increase, whatever. And then their rent ends up at a, a slightly odd figure. But when you go back out to the market uh, and you're looking for, for a new tenants with, with a new rental figure, is it just me or, or do rents tend to stick around sort of round figures? So I don't know, 850 or, or maybe if you want to be a bit more traction, 845 is sort of a slightly odd number. But, but you never find rents as £815 or £817.75 or something. So I think for me, when the rents have been going up or down, whatever, by a few percentage points, often it can take sort of a few years before those add up to enough to sort of bounce you up to the next round figure. Am I just looking at this all wrong, Stuart? Did you have these odd thoughts as well? (laughs) Yeah, I I know what you mean. And and I often think that getting into conversations about rent increases is never positive because we're all highly acutely aware of the title landlord comes with all these connotations of how evil and sadistic we are and and the fact that we um, sacrifice small children when no one's looking. Shh, don't tell anyone. (laughs) So when we talk about rent increases, I'm sure many of us are quite reticent to do so. But yeah, like you, when I when I see random numbers, I'm thinking, oh, well, is it is it again? Is, is it worth the effort of us putting it up by several pounds when actually I'd rather just keep people happy? And do we see the benefit of those increases? It's a really good question. One that I have to say I haven't considered greatly. But on this particular report, I thought the other really interesting elements to pull out were the table of of most increases. So we've talked about the average being five percent rent increase total, but the highest annual change in rent was in Nottingham. That was 7.9%. Top five, Newcastle, 6.4%, Bristol, 6.3%, Sheffield, 61 and Liverpool, 58 So, So there's a bit of a trend happening there in, in those areas. But I always think, having worked in analysis uh, in my sort of professional life, is that we always have to remember these are averages. So they can be pushed up by certain properties and you know, something we haven't necessarily looked at. So it doesn't necessarily mean we can all, if you're living in Nottingham, you can just say, oh, right, that's it. I'll just um, put my property up 7% because that, that might not work depending on your location and the property type you've got. But Yeah, uh, and that's just emphasised by the fact that you've got those averages within certain areas as high as sort of 7% or so. And yet the national average is only back down at 5%. When you're averaging, you are averaging. You can apply it to almost nothing in in the actual real world. It's only a, a statistical model for looking at the world, not not the, the real world itself. So, the next number that I mentioned was fifteen days, and fifteen days is apparently the average time. Huh, there's average again that it takes to rent a property. And having let a property, one of my properties, not that long ago, but during the the pandemic. I think 15 days is probably about right. There's a lot of demand out there. And and you could probably actually only take as long as 15 days because it takes a while 
to get back to people and arrange viewings and for people to come and look at it and actually make a decision and, and offers to be accepted. I think if that process was streamlined, you could probably push that average down to more like five days. I think a lot of it really is the process and the organization and getting people to, to move around and look at things and make decisions that, that's, that's actually delaying it. There is such high demand in pretty much all areas of the rental market at the moment. So the final thing that I mentioned at the beginning was that Crawley features in this report as a city. It's in a graph titled City Rental Growth Starts to Bounce Back. And Crawley is the third from top city in this graph for annual rental growth up to July 21. And apart from my shock that, that Crawley is a city, I, I think it's very interesting because Crawley is the, I would say town, but maybe it's a city, right next door to Gatwick Airport. And of course, at the beginning of the pandemic, it was hit really hard and rental demand dropped off a cliff. There were lots of stories from local landlords saying that they've got big voids, no tenants looking, can't find anybody because there were, previously there was lots of travellers coming into the into the airport who would be looking for, for accommodation for work and, and things, and also lots of people working at the airport more permanently who would be, be living and renting and crawling. And that all went away, or an awful lot of it went away. So I think it's really good to see that, that that's obviously coming back and, and the demand in Crawley is, is up again. So yeah, what, what, what do you think, Stuart? Is, is Crawley a city? Well, according to um, the wonderful Wikipedia, it is a town and borough. So I'm not, not sure it necessarily does drop into city territory. But like you, I'm quietly happy that we are seeing positive changes there, not least because I've started looking at a couple of properties myself there by way of renting to provide a service there. So so that's quite good. But like you said, because there's been a lot of change in that area, obviously, given the uh, COVID times and the removal of such big businesses as Virgin that, that used to do business there. But it feels like there is elements of business coming back to the town. So once again, I, I hope these you know positive trends continue because yeah, make, makes us all feel better. We, we want to provide you know good quality accommodation, and but you know there needs to be you know demand there for it. And it feels like because of these trends that the demand is increasing. I've certainly seen that anecdotally myself with the studio flat we have. Although I mean it's in an amazing location, so I think we always should. But the, the people that were staying there as part of a short term let were using it as a base to find. Uh, somewhere longer term to rent and they are struggling so they need to rent places so anecdotally we are hearing that a lot of people are struggling to get places to rent because of that time that you've mentioned 15 days which you know a couple of weeks if you're, if you're trying to find a, a rental property and you've just come into the country or you've just moved from somewhere that's that's not a long time to get yourself sorted and agree a place no exactly and if especially if you're sort of trying to find a rental property at more of a distance I mentioned sort of the, the logistics of just arranging viewings and things. And that gets so much harder if you can only view at the weekend when you can take the three-hour trip to wherever it is you're moving to or something. That puts you at such a disadvantage at the moment for, for being able to secure a rental property. Yeah, so not, not a good time to be trying to find a, a rental property, which is, uh, which is unfortunate from, from the, the tenant point of view, but probably good from, from the landlord point of view for being able to rent quickly and at slightly increasing rents. Yeah, and just a final point on that, in the the home track report that we're reading, it says that the stock of homes to let year to date to August of this year is down 15%. Now, without knowing the specific criteria of that, 
just taking that at face value, to have demand increasing by 20% and stock reducing by 15% shows you that as landlords and investors, you know, we, we probably should be thinking about our current rental prices and if and if they're right. And that if this serves as a reminder for anything, it's for me to sit down, look at the portfolio and, and think about, are we charging the right rates? Because it, it's not about uh, extracting the most money, but it's about acknowledging that, you know, we, we are providing the right market rates, particularly when we have things like increasing energy costs coming down the pipe. Yes. So I think everyone will have heard something about this because it's obviously affecting consumers, everyone, not just landlords. This has been in the news everywhere that energy companies or energy wholesale prices are going up rapidly through the roof and energy companies are having to pass some of this on to their customers. The energy, the, the cap prices for energy have recently gone up and they are expected to go up again in the not too distant future. But in the meantime, a whole heap of energy companies are going to go bust because they've sold energy at old tariffs and not properly hedged against needing to then buy energy to actually deliver at the, the now increasing prices. And I've heard all sorts of figures from uh, sort of 200% increase to many more times than that. And of course, for landlords, if you're doing single lets, it's the unfortunate trouble of your, your tenants to deal with this. But for lots of landlords who are doing multi-lets, HMOs or serviced accommodation, where you pay the utilities, of course, this is the problem of the landlord because you're charging a, a fixed rental income and now you're, uh, a certain element of your costs are going up and, and not just a little bit, but, but going up in multiples. So how much do you think energy costs will need to rise before it might become a, a problem for you, Stuart, and your, your properties? I mean, presumably you, you have fixed energy costs, at least for for some period of time. So it, you'll have a little bit of leeway there. Yeah. How concerned are you about this? Oh, well, I'm, I'm very concerned about any increase of costs always concerns me because something I've been super focused on as treating my properties as a business, as, as you'd expect on this podcast title. I'll come back to that one second. So as of August 2021, all major suppliers have raised energy prices by an average of £96 a year. And from this month, October, suppliers will be able to increase prices again by 12% to a maximum of 1277 on standard variable tariffs. So, so we're talking about just standard, but if we just take that figure for a second of 12%, and I think about my current energy prices, I run a number of HMOs, so co-living spaces. We've got something like now, I haven't done the numbers, but let's say 70 rooms, and we've got quite big buildings. So we've got a few seven beds, we've got an eight bed. In fact, we've got two eight beds now, and a few six beds and a few five beds. So if you think about the energy costs there, and I, I without going into specifics, but let's just say the average gas and electricity bill is around £200 on those properties. And we times that we make that about £2,000 a month, which probably isn't a million miles away. If, if I take 12%, which for, for let's just keep it simple, and make it 10. So that's an extra £200 a month per property. That's an extra 2400 across the portfolio. So yeah, that's, that's an extra two and a half grand a year, basically. But for me personally, I think it's going to be more than that. I, I don't think it's going to be as 
as low as as the figure I've just mentioned. But even if I were to take that figure of two and a half thousand pounds, then immediately I've just got to think about well, how will the business cover that? And we've we've obviously just spent the best part of ten minutes talking about increased rents because obviously that's the first place. But when you've signed contracts, you've got agreed tenancies. It's not that simple. And all of our properties are based on providing the energy. It's not something that has surprised me because it's something as a business that we we are starting to think about, which is how do we, well, the first thing you you can do, of course, and we do have in some of the properties is an energy cap. So, for example, we would say to a tenant, we will cover the energy, the gas and electricity costs up to X figure, whatever that number is. And then anything over that figure will be distributed across the tenants. And so I think as a very first step, if I'm thinking about sort of rationalise this and, and talking about it so that others might either contact us with other points of view or, or hopefully take something of benefit from it, is you know, that is a first step you can do is talk about building caps into your contracts for each tenant, particularly in, in multi-lets, just so that people can't you know, just have a you know, tropical paradise in the property for 12 months a year. We have taken steps in the past we've got a number of products in properties we've used timer stats other brands are available where you put a cap on the the temperature which is a, a very reasonable one something we, we will have talked about before and also the uh, heating can't be left on for more than a set period of time say two hours so someone has to get up and press a button again which sounds ridiculous but when we've got 40% student properties, it does make a difference because sometimes they just don't want to get up. But also it means, of course, once they've gone to bed, it will switch off. So there's things there that we can start thinking about. But to answer your question, I mean, it is quite worrisome. I think we just, but I'm the sort of person, we'll, we'll deal with it as and when it comes up. But we've already been talking to our utility providers. So I work with a company that provides us with set monthly figures. And we did that because one of the biggest issues I had in my business, which we can talk about in, a, in another podcast, was the fact that we couldn't predict with a good certainty what what our profit was going to be because of the variability of energy costs. Without a few, far too many syllables there, but hopefully that makes sense. I, I think it's interesting that you've, you've already taken the steps to try and fix your energy costs as much as you can to make them predictable so you can forecast out your your, your business plan basically and now with the, the rapidly increasing energy costs obviously that's going to hopefully hold for a while but at some point you're going to be probably hit by by a big jump and when, when you sort of reach the when you reach the end of your contract period or your your fixed period or whatever things will, will suddenly leap up to the the new levels i think i i saw or heard somewhere that the the comparison sites for energy products at the moment are, are basically not usable because the fixed tariffs are so much higher than the variable tariffs right now. It's not worth, well, <laughs> if you can predict the future, maybe it is worth switching, but it's, it's probably not worth switching. And even if you were to switch, you'd actually be paying an awful lot more right now than you would be on, on existing variable tariffs or, or certainly older fixed tariffs. So it makes it very difficult to, to work out a, a saving from switching a saving from fixing because it is it's just not available in the market all the energy companies are, are running scared of future energy increases so how about mitigating this in in other ways Stuart? so the main energy increases are currently coming from also the main 
energy cost increases are currently coming from gas, but electricity is also going up. So there are things you can do. You could install solar panels, install a battery, uh, remove gas from property, convert them to warm air heating or even a, a water boiler, but, but powered by electricity. Have you looked at doing any of these things, Stuart? Um, it, it, do any of them sort of sound appealing to you? Not at this point in time. I mean, I immediately think about the, the fact that the boilers from, I think it was 2025, new boilers will, will no longer be gas. So, you know, you, you could start thinking about protecting yourself in the future anyway, if you were, if you were having to replace boiler systems. But for me personally, I haven't considered solar. I don't think there are available grants at the moment. I think there was at one time, but it, it's something that we would look at again in the, with the number of properties we've got. And the types of properties they are. From our residential property, for example, I would do it tomorrow. No, no question. It's a good property, going to catch a lot of sunlight. The properties I've got that we rent are old Victorian properties, probably not lending themselves to having solar panels affixed to them. So for me, it's probably not about the changing. It's, uh, I think we'll, we'll need to discuss with our utility providers what the sort of increases look like. And then at some stage, probably. You know, in the next three to six months, we'll think about how we remodel the cost. So, so actually, it'll be we'll, we'll probably have to share the increase in energy between ourselves and the tenants, and that feels to me fair because thus far, in the last several years, we've always retained those costs, and actually, we're probably paying for a significant amount of those utility costs, and that's the model that, that my business chose, just because it because it made the properties more appealing to people that they didn't have to worry about it. What we didn't do was factor in 100% of the energy costs because we wanted to be competitive. So it's, it's going to take a little while for us, I think, to, to work through, again, without getting too sort of business laden on this, although this is the business of property, is we, we need to think about our pricing models for each property type because some properties we've got are really good quality properties. And... Uh, I think we should we should and we could ask for more in in order to cover any increase in utilities other properties I think they're probably you know we we couldn't look to pro- provide all and so it's all going to come down to the pricing model and in your properties you're you're all buy to let aren't you so it's not necessarily something that you have to worry about from a property investment perspective exactly and I I mean that's great from my point of view I, I don't have to worry about the energy costs I don't have to worry about the impact of this and managing to make it it work for my business. However, looking at it from the flip side, I would really like to improve my properties. I would really like to convert them to all electric. And certainly if, if I have a, a one of my gas boilers fail, I think I will, will try to replace it with an electric boiler if I can, even at this point before it's, it's necessary. And I would like to fit solar panels. I think that would be a, a great thing. I've I've actually started the the process of investigating suppliers for my my own home, and I would I would love to do that on my rental properties, but if I do, it will cost I know five thousand pounds per property to to fit solar panels, and I will see no financial benefit from that. Uh, there, there won't be any of my bills going down. There will be my my tenants' bills going down, and perhaps in the future when I'm next marketing it for tenants or in the long future when it's sold, perhaps having solar panels will be a, a boost and will be a benefit. Perhaps I could ask for a few pounds extra in rent or perhaps um, a few thousand pounds extra in sale price, but I'm not sure about that. And it's 
is certainly not for certain. And hence, from a business point of view, I find it really hard to, to justify those outlays, that immediate expense to fit solar panels or certainly to refit a, a boiler, replace a boiler seems very foolhardy and from a, from a business and financial point of view. But from a personal point of view, I'd really like to be able to do that. Mm. So I, I, yeah, as you say, there, there were feed-in tariffs for a while from the government where the owner of the solar panels could benefit from the saved energy that they provided, regardless of whether you were actually the bill payer or not. But yeah, they, they don't exist anymore as far as I'm aware. So, so yeah, difficult. A, a previous landlord of mine proposed that he was going to introduce solar panels and bill us direct, start billing us directly as the energy provider. We put across our certain dissatisfaction and said, we, you know what, we're, we're happy with our own gas and electricity providers. So, uh, you know, if you want to do that, that, that's fine. But yeah, so there might be some uh, property investors out there thinking, oh, actually, this, this could be a new revenue stream. And that, that is a thing. You, you could put solar panels on it and you would be the provider of, of said energy. But my personal view would be, don't try and pass on those costs necessarily to your tenants, but do it do it the right way. Uh, that, that's interesting, actually. I, I'm sure it would be hellishly complicated and probably more hassle than it's worth. But maybe you could. Maybe you could say, okay, here, I'm going to fit solar panels for you and you will hence not be buying electricity from the grid for however many units of electricity it provides. However, instead of paying the grid, you'll pay me. I don't know, some, some price, I don't know, 60% of what the grid would charge you or something. So maybe you could build that into some kind of uh, agreement. I, I suspect that the admin around it, as I say, would be, be lots of hassle and, and possibly not worth it for the five or 10 quid a month or whatever it would, would generate to eventually go towards paying for the solar panels. But I, I think it's peanuts. I think it would work out as peanuts in the end. And also, I think you, you'd take away something that, that we most of us quite like, and that is choice, particularly when you move to a house. You, you want to be able to make those decisions yourself rather than have them enforcing you. And so that could limit. Although I was, I was thinking that you wouldn't limit the energy provider that they, they use generally for all of their, their main supply. It's just the difference. So I, I assume I, I don't have solar panels fitted anyway yet, but hopefully soon. But I assume the solar panels will tell you how many units of electricity they have generated and hence saved you from the grid. So you could collect that number and say, okay, you haven't purchased 10 units of electricity from the grid. Hence, you've saved, I know, a pound or whatever it is. So I will charge you 60 pence instead. But for the grid energy, the, the energy you, you buy from a, a normal supplier, that still just happens as normal and, and you pay the normal energy supplier for that, that bit of it. So I, I, I can see that you, you could set up something where it, it could work. But, but yes, complicated. Very complicated and something we may well come back to in five years' time to discuss. <laughs> And if any of these topics have interested you in any way, shape or form, please do leave us a rating and or review. And please do get in touch with us. We'll leave a Twitter handle, Facebook links, email link, and obviously the URL, thebusinessofproperty.com in the show notes so that you can get in touch and find out all of the information, all of the reports we've been looking at will all be there. Other than that, we'll see you next week. Bye.